Happy Friday, everyone, and thanks for joining us for the latest episode of the Prairie and Smith podcast. A week ago, the Sun Belt had one of their strongest weeks, including strong non-conference wins and exciting divisional rivalry games. Week six will be the first weekend of Sun Belt only play in the 2022 season. A total of four teams, Old Dominion, Marshall, Louisiana, and South Alabama, have buys this week, while the remaining 10 teams will take the field for a mix of cross-divisional matchups and exciting rivalry games. Caden, it's the first week of Sunbelt only play. What are your expectations heading into week six? I mean, we got some good matchups here. We're going to, to obviously talk about them a little bit. Well, we've been talking about that. I feel like I've been saying this every single time we get into these matchups. Finally getting to see these Sunbelt teams stack up against each other. I think these teams are slowly and surely starting to build their resume, build their reputation in the conference. And I think this week is going to be a huge week as far as who's going to really come out of this conference swinging. We've seen JMU start off with a hot start. We've seen a couple other teams in this conference really get off to a hot start. But now we're going to start seeing some teams separate themselves from the pack. We're going to see who can really take care of business against the teams they're supposed to be. And maybe some of these other teams step up to the occasion a little bit and prove that, hey, like we're a team to talk about in the Sunbelt as well. Well, in today's episode, we'll be previewing each of the five Sunbelt games in week five while providing a special emphasis on our game of the week between Georgia State and Georgia Southern. Caden, I think it's time to talk some football. What do you say? Let's do it. Let's get right into this game. We obviously talked to two of the best players on both of these teams of this big game. So I'm super excited to take some of their perspective, some of our perspective, and get a little fingerprint, get a little pulse on this game of the week. Well, Georgia State's going to take on Georgia Southern. This is a big rivalry matchup between these two teams. I will admit I'm not a big fan of the rivalry name between these two programs. It's simply called Modern Day Hate. It's not you know, one of those very catchy ones. But this game's going to take place at 2 p.m. on ESPN3 on Saturday. Uh, it'll be the ninth all-time meeting, which, you know, feels a little bit surprising given some of the proximity of these two programs to each other. But Georgia State, they've won the last two, including winning in Statesboro last year, 21-14. to um, Caden, when you look at this game, this is a game that feels like we're going to see the rushing attack of both teams really featured. You get two top six rushing attacks in Georgia State, which is third, uh, as well as Georgia Southern. Um, You know, I think the question has to be if Georgia State wants to win this game, it's how much offense can Jam Williams and Tucker Gary create in this game. First of all, I want to throw the name out there. I think this should be called the Peach State Showdown. I think that'd be a much better name. We'll talk about that another time, though. But. No, you, you mentioned it. We talked to Tucker earlier. He said, listen, like our team is going to run the ball. That's what we do. That's their identity. And you saw them in the Army game last week. They really matched Army's energy. I mean, they ran the ball 46 times, 299 yards. That's a great thing for them. And that's going to be a great way to control the game if their defense can hold up against such an explosive Georgia Southern offense. But you have to kind of worry about their pass game as well. They only had 12 pass attempts in that Army game. Darren Granger had eight completions, one touchdown pass, which is great. But you have to think if Kyle Van Treese and this offense are pushing the pace similar to what they did against Coastal, I think they're going to have to play a little bit out of character. You're going to see them playing maybe a little bit more like they did against Charlotte in that shootout when they put 41 points on the board. Darren Granger had a great game, 34 pass attempts in that one and four touchdown passes. So I think it's going to be interesting to see if the defense of Georgia State can control the pace of this game along with their run game. I think they'll be able to play their style of ball. But if Georgia Southern is doing what they normally do and throwing the ball around the yard and scoring points, they're going to have to pick up the pace and play a little bit more out of character. Caden, we must have done a lot of episodes together already because we're we're starting to kind of take words out of each other's mouth because really the next thing I wanted to talk about was just that dynamic offense of Georgia Southern. And for me, that's going to cause a lot of problems for this Georgia State secondary, this Georgia State defense. Um, This is a Georgia Southern offense that is absolutely legit. They're averaging 500 yards per game this season, 314 yards through the air. That's a big concern going up against the Georgia State defense that at times so far this year, I felt like hasn't had an identity. 100%. You talked about how Georgia State's been producing pretty well in this matchup, but they have not played a quarterback in this matchup like Kyle Ventrese. It's a completely different offense and a completely different brand of football. And if you're a Georgia Southern fan, you have to be excited going to this when your quarterback's leading the conference in passing yards and you're playing a defense that gives the second most points in the league right now with 33. So you have to think if you can play as well as you did last week against the Coastal defense, who I think this season has proven they're better than the Georgia State defense that they're about to face, I think you have to like the Georgia Southern offense going into this one and have to feel confident. So I think it's really going to be on Georgia State's defensive side of the ball if they can step up to the occasion. They showed they could at times, can't at times. So it's really going to be about which team on that Georgia State side of the ball on defense really shows up for this one. Okay, and we talked to Kyle Van Treese on Wednesday's episode. He kind of previewed this matchup a little bit. You look at his play this year, he's ninth in the country in total offense at over 320 yards a game. Um, why is Kyle Van Treese, in your mind, having so much success in this offense for Georgia Southern? 
we talked about it before. He's clearly a very, very smart player, which I think when you see a lot of these gunslinger type quarterbacks, that's not talked about enough. He came into Georgia Southern. He went to Statesboro in January, learned the offense like the back of his hand, went into fall camp, rode that momentum into the season. He looks like a quarterback who's been playing in the system for a very long time. He's very decisive and he has a great arm that can really allow them to make just about any throw you need to make in the Sunbelt right now. And we talked about the third down success they have as well. I think he knows when and where to go with the ball. And on top of that, he has a run game that's really supporting him right now. So I think if you're Georgia State right now, you're playing a quarterback that's almost similar to Grayson McCall in the way as far as how he's running the offense. And that's something to be worried about. But they do have a strong back end. They have a secondary that has proven they can cause turnovers and step up to the occasion and play wide receivers pretty well, just not as consistently this year. So I think if they can show up to this game and give them some problems, I think it'll make it a lot more interesting. You mentioned Darren Granger a few moments ago, and I wanted to dig into that a little bit here. You know, last week he throws for 157 yards. He was responsible for two touchdowns, one through the air, one on the ground. Um, I think the question for me in this matchup is what does Darren Granger need to provide in this game? Or is it simply do your job, let the running game play well and just not turn the ball over? Yeah, I think for this one, it's an interesting thing because I feel like if you look, it's very similar. We're going to talk about Blackman later from Arkansas State. I think they're both in kind of similar situations. They're the type of quarterbacks in this league where you don't really expect them to go out there and get you wins. You really just get what you ask of them. If you want him to throw the ball a bunch of times, like he did in the Charlotte game, you want him not to turn the ball over first and foremost. You don't want to get him to give the ball to the other team. And if you're going to play one of those games where you're going to run the ball, you're going to rely on Jamias Williams, you're going to rely on Tucker Gregg in that run game, you're just going to ask him to be an accurate passer when we do ask you to pass the ball. So I think a lot of it's going to be, what is Georgia Southern's defense going to give you and what can you do for us? So if they need him not to turn the ball over, I think he's capable of doing that. If they need him to win them the game with his arm, I think that's going to be a lot bigger of an ask. And he came just short of doing that against Charlotte. So I think he does have the capability. So I think it's really about building the game plan that works best for him and attacking this Georgia Southern offense the best way they can using his arm and his legs because his legs have been very effective this year as well. Here's one battle in this game I'm really excited to see. And when you look at the stats for Georgia State, they are really good at getting to the quarterback, causing problems in the backfield. 28 tackles for loss this year, seven sacks this season. Um, but here's where it's interesting. They're going up against the Georgia Southern offensive line that has only allowed teams to sack Kyle Van Treese once. We talked to him on Wednesday. He joked about not being on his backside much this year. If you're Georgia State and knowing that is your identity, how do you create pressure against a very good Georgia Southern O-line? Well, they don't have Blake Carroll right now. They had their linebacker injured, one of their best players. So I think he was a very good rusher for them. I'm not going to call him like a, a Micah Parsons of their team, but he was just a very versatile linebacker when it came to the rush game. And I think that still should be a tried and true formula for them. I think they should try to give that Georgia Southern offensive line some exotic looks, try to do some stunts up front and make it a little bit harder for them because they've shown if you just rush them straight up, if you just give them their normal pass rush, you give them four or five guys and they have their five guys, they're going to pick that up. And Kyle Van Treese is going to have time to do the things he's been doing all year. So I think if you're Georgia State, Got to give them some different looks. Got to make it a little bit exotic and hope for the best, really, because, I mean, this offensive line has been great. And I think this offensive line on their side of the ball is going to be hurting this game because if they give them some different looks, they're going to have to protect in the pass game. And if you look at Georgia State's offensive line, they're going to be downhill aggressive in the run game. So this game is very about to be very much about to be about what happens up front, but in different ways for both teams, I think. I think the one thing, if you're looking at Georgia Southern that isn't getting talked about enough because of how good their offense has been, it, it kind of is how bad their defense has been early on in this season. Last week, they gave up 485 yards of total offense, 150 rushing yards, 335 through the air for Grayson McCall. I mean, that's a very good coastal offense, so I don't want to just take that sample size. But when you look at this team over the course of the season, and obviously that Nebraska game weights very heavy, but statistically, Caden, they're the second worst defense in this league in terms of yards surrendered, 441 per game. That has to be very concerning for them if they want to kind of rise to that upper echelon in that Sunbelt East. Yeah, it's no question they've been relying on their offense a lot this year and leaning on that. I mean, they've gotten a shootout, it seems like, just about every week, and that's because their defense hasn't been playing well. But I think their defense does have talented players in the secondary, and I think the good thing about this matchup is that if Georgia State does stick true to their identity and they do run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. They think they have the personnel to really hang in this one and not really give up a ton of points. I think if their secondary can just step up to the occasion a little bit more on the limited passes that Georgia State does throw, if they lock up, make some big plays, maybe even get a turnover, and then you just ask your front seven and your linebacking core, who Georgia State, Georgia Southern's linebacking core has been traditionally very well, and they've been nice up front. I think if they can just stop the run or at least sustain the run, maybe not 
give up so many explosive runs, keep Tucker Gregg to just a five-yard run here or a six-yard run there and not too many big, big plays where the hole opens up and you're getting gashed. I think they'll be just fine in this one, but I think this will be an opportunity for them to step up and maybe have a better performance than they've had in previous weeks as far as the defense goes. Kyle Van Treese, he's thrown a touchdown pass in five straight games, which has tied a school record. Uh, it goes to show just the style of offense that's been played down in Statesboro for years. Another thing to be looking out for in this game, Caden, I don't think it is out of reach for Tucker Gregg to go off in this game. And he's 248 yards away from becoming the all-time leader in you know rushing at Georgia State. I don't think he's going to get 248, but he might get close. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Georgia Southern's defense traditionally, they've had to go up and practice against a running style offense and a, a triple option style offense all of the time. And this year they've been getting in shootouts, so they've been defending the pass a little bit more. So I know right now they're stretching, they're making sure they're limber before this one because we talked to Tucker. It takes more than one guy to tackle him. So they're going to have to bring their hard hat and bring their lunch pill for this one. And they're going to have a tall task. So I wouldn't be surprised if I saw it either, man. Tucker's a tough tackle and Georgia Southern hasn't really proved they can stop a tough tackler all year. So I'm excited to watch that matchup for sure and see if Tucker can just keep going up and up in that record book. Well, that's our game of the week this week, Georgia State and Georgia Southern. And now we move on to a game that was kind of 1B in our minds. It was tough to choose between these two teams or these games, but we chose to go with the rivalry game as our game of the week. But Troy versus Southern Miss, and I think this one very easily could become the most exciting game of the weekend. Uh, it's going to be at 7 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Another one of those Sunbelt After Dark games, Caden. They've clearly been listening to us because we have three this week uh, that are going to be really exciting. Actually, four, rather, um, that I think will be you know late-night games. These two teams, they've met 11 previous times. Southern Miss has controlled that series 8-3. to three. Uh, Troy won the last meeting last September, uh, and that was down in Hattiesburg. Southern Miss, they've only played at the Vet once, and they won that game. Um, this one could get really interesting. And if you listen to the Southern Miss fans on Twitter, they think that this is a team that should be in title contention in the West. I think Troy has so far proven uh, early on in this season that they are in that title race. Caden, it begs the question, is Southern Miss a legitimate contender in the West? Or when you look at them this year, are they more of a potential spoiler in the West as opposed to a legitimate contender right now? Yeah, that's a tough question right now. And I think my answer is just a, a big fat TBD. It's to be determined. I mean, they haven't played a conference game yet. This is their first conference game. And I think this is going to be a huge measuring stick for them. I think Southern Miss is a team we obviously haven't talked about a ton in this pod because they haven't had a ton of conference play. But if you look at their last win against Tulane, it was very impressive. That Tulane team is not a slouch. And that Tulane team went on last week to be a Houston team. That's one of the better teams out of all of the group of five. So I think they found their quarterback early when we saw them playing Liberty. They were throwing keys in there. They were throwing Frank Gore in there. They were playing all kinds of running backs. But I think they found their guy in the fresh, freshman, Zach Wilkie. We'll see how he plays in this game in his first conference test. But I think it's a big, fat TBD. I think we have to see it to believe it. And I think it's just a little bit too soon to say they're one of the guys that should be regarded. I hope they make it even more interesting in the West and they can contend in this West that we call the Wild West right now. But it's looking like some guys are slowly becoming front runners. If they can put themselves up there, this is going to be a great barometer for them because Troy's putting themselves up there right now for sure. I think there's some people out there, Caden, who perhaps think that like we hate Southern Miss, but it certainly isn't that like we would love to see Southern Miss be good. We're just skeptical because we haven't seen them play a Sunbelt team. But this is a big opportunity for them. You know, when we mention are they a legitimate contender or a spoiler, I think what I look at is their offense a little bit right now. We know the defense is good. What's concerning to me is they're 10th in the league in terms of yards per game on offense. Uh, their defense is 11th in terms of, you know, yards given up per game. But here's what's interesting, Kane. You look at those two stats, and somehow that doesn't mirror the points that they're scoring because they're in the top seven in terms of points scored. They're scoring over 30 points a game. They're giving up about 23 points a game. So it feels like they're doing, you know, a lot with a little at this point. Yeah, if you look at their schedule, they're just one of the harder teams to get a pulse and read on. They obviously play in Miami. They play pretty well in the first half of that game, but then it's a Miami team that's going to do what they do. It's a Power 5 competition. They end up winning that one 30-7. Then they play Northwestern State, some small school. They beat them 54-10. to 10. So their their stats are very lopsided. I think their offense and defense, if you look at them on paper, it's very hard to really get a, a pulse and a read on. It's kind of one of those teams you have to watch and see for your own eyes. And if you watch with your own eyes, it's a lot of highs and a lot of lows. On their offense, they've shown they can be efficient. They had trouble running the ball in that two-lane game. I don't know how they won a game with the running back core they have only rushing for 54 yards, but they did it, and their defense showed up big for that one. So I think for them, their offense and defense, if you watch their games, has showed up at different times and hasn't often complemented each other. The two-lane game in the second half, they complemented each other perfectly. So I'm interested to see in this Troy game 
and for them to just be good in this conference in general, if their offense and defense can play good at the same time, I think they're going to be a team that no one's going to want to play or really have an easy time with in this conference going forward. The big storyline for Troy in this game is Gunnar Watson, and that is simply because how healthy is Gunnar Watson? He's a question mark going into this game. We heard earlier in the week that he was questionable, maybe trending towards probable, so probably going to play. Um, but, Caden, you have a little bit of an interesting theory here. We saw Jared Dagey play very well in that game against Western Kentucky. Um, Coach Summerall said that, you know, Gunnar Watson could have potentially re-entered that game, but they stuck with Jarrett Dagey. How long is the leash here for Gunnar Watson, or is Jarrett Dagey kind of breathing down his neck and potentially has a shot at taking over this job at some point this season? Yeah, so I'm not trying to put my conspiracy Cato on my my insider look, but you gave me more information on that than I ever I think I ever needed. I didn't even know Coach Summerall said that, but I did hear that he said he was questionable but probable, Gunnar Watson, coming into this game, which is kind of a confusing statement, whatever that means. But he also said to be available. He's probably he's going to be available for this game. You're, if you're talking about your starting quarterback being available for a game versus your starting quarterback being ready to start in a game, I think it's two different things. If Bryce Young is about to start against Texas A&M this weekend, we're going to hear Bryce Young starting in this game. We're not going to say Bryce Young's potentially available for this one. And I think that's a scary thing. Jarrett Dagey played phenomenal in his about quarter and a half of ball. It was a small sample size, but he went seven for eight through two touchdowns. And it's hard to look at with that small sample size. But I think if he does come in this game and he plays well, it's going to be very interesting to see how that narrative goes. I mean, this is a big 12 quarterback. This is a guy at West Virginia who had multiple 2,000 plus yard seasons throwing the ball in one of the power five conferences that's known for throwing the ball. He's put points up on the board and he has that kind of arm talent. And we had an inside source that we've talked to who said this is a kind of backup quarterback who prepares for the game like he's a starter every week and has that mentality. So I think if he goes out against Southern Miss, and balls out and plays better than Gunnar Watson has played all year. I think it's going to have a a serious question mark and a thing to talk about for Troy going forward because they're a team that's trending up. And if they continue to trend up and can trend even higher up with elevated quarterback play, it's going to be hard to argue against this guy playing. Who gives you the higher ceiling, Watson or Daigie? I think this is the game where we find that out. I hate that I'm answering your questions all backwards, but I think if you look on paper right now, it's got to be Daigie right now. He has that arm talent and he has that skill set that I don't know if Gunnar Watson has. Gunnar Watson obviously gave you that big win against Marshall, but I think the way Hunter Daigie or the way Daigie finished that game last game, and if he just keeps riding that wave and does another great game, has another great game in this one against Southern Miss, it's going to really be a conversation to have. And I think. The offense, I think, is going to be fine either way, but it's just about how high of a ceiling do they want to reach. And a two-quarterback system is obviously it's not the time of year for that. So I think whoever starts in this game and plays the best might be the guy for the rest of the year. It's important to remember, too, Jared Dagey, he is the current all-time leading or active leading passer in the NCAA. He's thrown for a ton of yards in his career. He's a very good quarterback. You know, meanwhile, you look at Southern Miss, and we want to talk about quarterback position there, and... It has been a dumpster fire over the last couple of you know seasons due to injury. Uh, but, Caden, it really feels like they might have found their guy in Zach Wilkie here. And I think where I've been impressed as you start to look at Wilkie's play is he's continued to evolve. He's continued to grow with every game that he plays. Uh, he's coming off a career-best 194 yards in that game against Tulane. Uh, he threw for two touchdowns, 68% completion. Uh, The freshman is growing up before our eyes and perhaps, you know, saying, hey, I'm the guy for years to come at Southern Miss. Yeah, and I think some type of consistency at their quarterback position is just going to be the most important thing for them going forward. And I think they really found their guy. You heard um, head coach Will Hall, he talked after the Miami game about how accurate he was at times, but he did make some boneheaded plays. But that's what freshmen do. They make boneheaded plays. And obviously, there's going to be a little bit learning of a learning curve just being a freshman playing for the first time in your college football snaps. But it's very promising to see him getting better and better every game. He's trending upward. And I think especially in that two-lane game, he found his groove and he got a ton of help from his defense. The defense kept Tulane scoreless until the very end of the game and really allowed him time to not have pressure to score the ball necessarily too much and do too much, but just play his brand of ball. And he ended up leading them on two touchdown drives. So I think it's good that they have a quarterback right now. I think going forward, it's unfortunate that he's a freshman. He's going to take his lumps and have to grow. But I think with all of that being said, do not be surprised if Troy's experienced defense with guys like Carlton Marshall, two great safeties playing out there. Don't be surprised if they challenge him, try to give him some different looks and give him some pressure because he's getting thrown the fire against one of the defenses in this league that's been playing at the highest, highest level. Really, the last thing on this game that I wanted to talk about was just the running games for both teams. We saw Troy start to see their running game maybe emerge ever so slightly. We'll see if that trend you know, continues. Um, 
And then I think when you look at Southern Miss, what has concerned me a little bit is Frank Gore gets off to a really strong start to the season. But over the last three games, he's been largely contained, just 30 carries for 136 yards. Um, Those aren't great stats for a guy that has rushed for nearly 1,000 yards in his career. Uh, So I think you kind of have two running back rooms that I think we're now suddenly a little bit uncertain about what to expect on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, just talking about these two running back rooms right now, they're both definitely trending in different directions. You look at the Southern Miss side of the ball, they want to run the ball. That's their that's their identity. And then they go in the two-lane game and they put up 50 yards and they don't do what they normally do. And Troy, vice versa, they go into the Western Kentucky game and have a great game on the on the ground. They obviously pass the ball well per usual, but then especially down the stretch, they had some great explosive runs to keep the drive going, getting some chunk yardage. So I'm definitely interested to see how both of these run games show up for this game. But I also ultimately think if you look at the personnel of both of these teams, I don't know how important the run game is going to be. But Troy proved they can run. That's a bonus for them if they can run the ball. Southern Miss proved they got a tough, gritty win against Tulane without running the ball. So I think it's really going to come down to which quarterbacks play in this game, which ones play well, and then how the defenses hold up. Because Troy's defense right now, they're my favorite, man. They obviously had a great game against Marshall, stopping the run holding them to less to 100 yards, which is rare, and then going up against a Western Kentucky team who's the complete opposite, throwing the ball a bunch and holding them to under 30 points, which literally didn't happen all of last year and hasn't happened this year yet. So they've proven they're a very dynamic defense, and I think that's going to be more of the story in this one. But also wanted to ask you, did you check out Troy's helmets that they're wearing this weekend? I did see those, the throwback helmets. They're pretty nice. Yeah, I've been seeing, so there's been some, if you look at the replies, there's been people, I want the people, go and find them yourself if you're listening to this and give your opinion on this. They definitely, the logo definitely looks like the Michigan State logo, which is a little suspect, but I de- they look good to me. I think they're going to play great. Look good, play good. I think they're going to play great in those helmets. Well, I mean, just give one to Carlton Marshall and it's guaranteed that all the wrapping will be torn off by halftime. So you won't have to see him if you don't like it. But yeah, I think the biggest storyline in this game is going to be which defenses, you know, play well. Troy and Southern Miss, one of the things that, Caden, when you look at the stats, they both do really well is create sacks. They're both in the top two in this conference. Troy has 17. Southern Miss has 14. Uh, The two programs that combined 31 sacks on the season. So these quarterbacks are going to have a fun day because the defensive lines for both programs are going to be in the backfield all day long, it feels like. Yeah, we talked about the defense, man. You have guys like Carlton Marshall. They have two great safeties back there, like I mentioned. I'm more worried about the Southern Miss side of the ball as far as their freshman quarterback having to play probably one of the better defenses he's seen all year. So I think he's going to have to really step up to the occasion for them to compete in this one. And I think vice versa, man, you look at Detroit offense and what they've done. And if you're Southern Miss, you had a bye week, thankfully, you have a ton of time to prepare. And I think they can definitely use that to their advantage. But they're going to have a tall task, too, especially depending on what quarterback plays in this one. But I think that even makes it more unpredictable. They don't know which quarterback they're going to play. So they do have all of this bye week prep as a defense. But which quarterback are you going to see? They play similar styles of ball, but ultimately that is a big difference. And the, how they mesh with their receiving core will also be an interesting thing to watch in this one. So I think it's going to be a defensive game and it's going to be about these secondaries in the, the back end really holding up in this one. Yeah, I know I'm also interested to see uh, what outfit choice Will Hall comes out in today. We've uh, obviously we've seen him, uh, you know, wearing his his dress shirt and tie. So we'll have to see what combination he goes with there in terms of color. And hopefully it's a little bit cooler of a day so that we don't have to see uh, his back sweating through that dress shirt. But Uh, That's definitely something to watch out for in this game as well. Let's move on to Arkansas State and James Madison. Caden, I'm not going to say that we're going to be completely different when we get to the picks later on in this episode, but I know that maybe we both have some varying opinions on this game. Uh, It's going to be at 7 p.m. It got bumped up to national television on NFL Network. Um, You know, this is the second week in a row playing an opponent for the first time for for James Madison. Last week, they played Texas State for the first time. Now they play Arkansas. This is going to be their first ever trip to the great state of Arkansas. Um, You know, James Madison comes into this game. There's still one of just 16 teams remaining undefeated in the FBS level. Ten regular season wins in a row would actually be second behind Clemson with 11 if you counted the games at the FCS level. This is a James Madison team that has surprised a lot of a lot of people this season um, and you know with every week they continue to receive more love in the top 25 polls and they're probably one or two good weeks away from being inside that top 25. 
Yeah, I mean, if you look at them, they're really dipping their toe into the Sunbelt Conference the best they can. Obviously, they start off playing a perennial team that's been great in this conference in App State, playing a great comeback win in that one. And then they play two of the teams that are historically just recently some of the worst teams in the conference. They handle business against Texas State, and then they're going to Arkansas State, which is a team that only got two wins last week. So it's kind of the opposite for Arkansas State. They got introduced to ODU, a new kid on the block in the conference, lost in a close one in that game. And then now they have to see James Madison, which is looking like the hottest new team in the conference right now. So I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. Obviously, two teams that aren't very familiar with them. So I think home field advantage at night at Arkansas State might play in their favor. But ultimately, what's going to play in JMU's favor more than anything is their quarterback, Todd Teo, and the ball he's playing. I think if you're Arkansas State, your whole entire game plan right now is just center out stopping that guy and hoping he doesn't hurt you with both his arms and his legs. Because it seems like he's going to do one or the other and most of the time both. But hopefully they can try to take one part of that part of his game out of it and that'll help them in the long run. But we'll see if they can do it because their defense just didn't have the best performance last week despite them winning. Caden, we'll keep talking about this game in a second, but I wanted to get some quick reaction on you. Did you see the comments from Kurt Signetti on the Jim Rome show the other day about where they want this James Madison program to be Just give me your thoughts. He said that they want to be in the college football playoff every year. I I want to hear your thoughts as a former athlete and if that would entice you to go play at James Madison. Oh, that's the first thing I thought. I did see what he said and I heard his comments on that show. And that's the first thing I thought of was if I'm a recruit right now and I'm not one of those guys who's a five-star guy, a four-star guy who's having all these power five offers and I'm looking to play ball somewhere, he made a great point. You want to play for a championship, you either have to go to Alabama, Ohio State. I think he mentioned North Dakota State and JMU. And now JMU is getting off to the hottest start ever as far as making that transition to the FBS conference. So if you're a recruit, that's definitely going to sell you. I think it's a little early for them to be saying that, but you can't really deny their resume right now. They're handling business. They're one of the few undefeated teams left in the nation. So if he can talk as good as he's walking right now, it's going to be a very, very strong trajectory for Signetti and the whole JMU program because they're undefeated right now. And he's talking like they're going to be undefeated many, many times coming up in the future. So obviously a lot of exciting things right now, but also very curious to see when they get to the bulk of this East schedule when they have to face some of these big powerhouse teams like the Coastal Carolinas, the States and Southerns that we've been talking about on this podcast a lot. I got to admit, Kurt Signetti is my spirit animal. He is the perfect mix of cocky and confident, and I absolutely love it. I've loved having him in the league. I've loved he, he He has no problem with giving some just outstanding sound bites. He makes it interesting. Uh, I think, you know, James Madison clearly has a winner, and I'm excited to see what he does with this program. Um, you know, week in and week out, we continue to talk about this James Madison defense, and we keep waiting for the slip, the slip up. And each week we continue to see crazy stats. And last week it was them giving up negative one rushing yards in that first half and 45 total yards of offense. I mean, we know that the Texas State offense is bad, but we didn't think that they were that bad. Or is it just JMU's defense is that good? Yeah, I mean, Todd's play is obviously very overwhelming and exciting. and It's the most flashy part of JMU to watch, but their defense is just stone cold right now. I would love to just watch them line up against Tennessee's offense right now, just the best in the country, and just see how they stand up because right now they've proven that they can stop just about anybody. And I think if you're this defense coming into this game, your motto this week is just stop Johnny Lang. I mean, he's had a great all-purpose day for Arkansas State last week, and I think he he genuinely won Arkansas State that game, honestly, just from his explosive play. He got in the end zone so often and it's hard not to say that. But the good thing for JMU is I think that's a very easy thing to key, on, key in on and stop. They like to load the box. So they're going to keep some hats around him at all times. And then as far as the rushing or the passing game goes, sorry, he is explosive out of the backfield. So you just have to make sure you're on your P's and Q's and discipline. Make sure you have at least one or two guys on him. So I think if you're JMU's defense, you have the blueprint to be successful already. You've shown you can do it. And I think for this game, this is not really an offense that you should worry too, too much about. You watch the film and you know what you've done in the past. And if you're any member of that 11-man JMU defense right now, you have to be feeling good. You mentioned Johnny Leg a moment ago, and you said getting into the end zone. Not only did he get into the end zone, he got in there rushing, he got in there receiving, and he also did it on a kickoff return. Johnny Lang, you know, he wins the special team award this past week in the Sun Belt, and rightfully so. You know, him and James Blackman have, you know, been good so far this year, but I think they both need big games in this one. You know, we've talked about James Blackman a lot on this podcast, and Caden, don't look now, but it feels like he's having a sneaky, strong season. He's completing 70% of his passes. He's already over 1,200 yards, thrown for seven touchdowns. Uh, I like what I'm seeing out of James Blackman, and 
I think if he has a good game in here, if he takes care of the football, this one could be closer than perhaps people are thinking. Yeah, this is kind of where I think we're going to disagree, like we talked about before in this podcast and going forward. Arkansas State, look, I've played these guys a lot in my career. They've never had bad players. They've never been short of talent. James Blackman's a good player. Johnny Lang is a good talent. It's just they have to show me they can go out and win these games. When it's games they should win, they win those for the most part. But when it's games, they have to step up to the occasion and really bring their A game and elevate to the level of possibly the team they're playing. They just haven't shown me they've done it. Johnny Lang truly won them the last game. I mean, Arkansas State was on the road, not on the ropes, but they were only up four points. And the next thing you know, Johnny Lang just extends that lead to a 14-point lead with two touchdowns. And then ULM scores and then a drive later, he brings back that kickoff return for a touchdown. So he accounted for so much of their offense. And you talked about Blackman. He's going to give you two touchdowns. He's going to give you maybe an interception. But he's, like we talked about with Georgia State's quarterback, Granger, not an elevator. He hasn't really elevated his wide receiver room. He hasn't really gone out there and won you a game. So I think if he's going to give you that constant, you got to have the guys around him elevate and step up and win you the game, whether that's the defense, whether that's his playmakers like Johnny Lang did last game. I just don't know if it's a sustainable formula for winning. He got off to a pretty good start this year. They've obviously had a terrible season last year at two and nine, but I think outside of those two guys, they're going to need other players on their team to step up and they're playing a JMU team that's just eats, sleeps, and breathes winning versus an Arkansas State team who hasn't really been doing that and has to step up to the occasion if they want to win. So I think it's going to be a huge challenge for them, and I think they're obviously going to need their best players to play good. I think they're going to need that and some more for this one as well. Arkansas State does do a nice job. They don't turn the ball over a lot. They've lost just three turnovers all season. I think that that's important to note going into this game. Um, when you look at these two programs, Caden, you have to imagine that running might be extremely tough in this contest. This is a JMU team that leads the nation, giving up 47 and a half yards per game right now. We've talked about those numbers. It's almost like video game-esque with how good that defense has been against the rush. And Arkansas State comes in fifth in the conference at 121 yards a game. Um, they're both top five rushing defenses in the Sun Belt, and you have to imagine the running back rooms on either side are going to have some trouble maybe getting going in this game. Yeah, like I was talking about different units of the ball for Arkansas State having to step up, that defensive line is going to have to continue to do what they've been doing because both teams up front are fantastic. I mean, both teams do a pretty good job up front as far as getting in the backfield, being disruptive, keeping explosive run plays to a minimum. So I'm definitely interested to see how both of these teams up front can play because I feel like we know a ton about the skill players. We know the Chris Thornton's out wide. We know Johnny Lang. We know the quarterbacks in this game. We kind of know what they're about. But I think if we want to see this game be a closer matchup in one of those games, it's just a classic Sunbelt game that kicks off at night and stays into a close one. It's going to happen because both of these teams play well at stifling up front. James Madison continues to dominate all three facets of the game. They force a safety last week on special teams. Their defense, as we've already talked about, has been good. Their offense has been fantastic. Kane, when you look at this JMU team right now, is there a hole on this team that maybe, you know, could sink this ship at some point this season, or are they just that good? <laughs> right now, it's hard to say they have any flaws in their game. I mean, they obviously, their biggest Achilles heel this season was just the first half they played against App State. But I think they've shown for the other halves of football they've played. That's really not a, it's really more out of character than them than not. So I think like we talked about with Southern Miss, we're going to have to see them play more teams and see them get more tough games to build that resume. I mean, you look at a coastal team we're about to talk about later who's undefeated and they're doing it by going out, having some tough wins under their belt versus a JMU team who's pretty much ran through everybody and had that tough game against App State. So I think we're going to have to see more volume of reps. But at the moment, man, it's hard to really say that JMU has a flaw in their game other than not being able to take their foot off the gas at the end of them. I want to give you one stat to chew on as we move on to the next game, but it might help you kind of understand why I might consider the pick that I'm going to make later on in this episode. But Arkansas State's defense is the second most improved defense in the country. Uh, they surrendered 200 and they're surrendering 202 yards less this season than in years past uh, when you look at the first five games of the season. So I like where Arkansas State is trending uh, a young group there in Jonesboro. And this, to me, potentially is an opportunity for them to get a statement victory here against the good James Madison team. I'm not sure I'm ready to make that pick yet, but I think Arkansas State uh, could make this game interesting, but we'll certainly see if that plays out. Let's move on. Texas State, App State at 7 p.m. on ESPN+. And finally, App State is not playing a game in Boone. That was something that Coach Clark joked about on his, on his press conference, just how good it will be to you know, maybe get on the road here, have some, you know, see some different things. I'm sure as a former athlete, sometimes you want to just do that. I did think it was funny that six games into the season, App State, they've only played in two states, the state of North Carolina and Texas. We saw how it went the last time they went to Texas. 
Um, you know, App State bounced back after that tough loss uh, with a 49 nothing win over the Citadel. It is the Citadel, but still an impressive result. Um, JMU gave App State, in my opinion, the recipe for success against this Texas State team, and that's turn over Texas State and score a lot of points. Um, you know, I think going into this game, the, the health of Nate Noel continues to be a question mark in my mind, Caden. He has that fantastic game to start the year. Uh, doesn't play against Texas A&M. Uh, I, if I remember right, does not play against Troy. Comes back, didn't look very healthy, didn't play against the Citadel. Um, I don't know. That, to me, is a major part of this this App State offense, and if they can't get Nate Noel healthy, it, it definitely you know does not make me as excited about App State as I was early on in the year. Yeah, well, first of all, Coach Clark can, can keep all of that. If I could play every home game at App State, I would 100% in my career there. Obviously, I love to travel. I love to get on the road, but as far as if we're talking football, man, I'll, I'll stay at home all the time. And San Marcos, it's a hot one, man. It's a hot stadium to play, and I think that's the biggest climate change out of App State versus if you look at all their conference opponents, those games were just always a little bit hotter than any other game we played in. But like you said, this team's proven that they can play in the Texas heat. They'll be just fine. But no, the Noel thing is definitely something to worry about. We obviously can brag and talk day in and day out about how deep this running back room is and how traditionally deep it has been. But if you look at Noel, he's, I'm not going to say by far, but he's definitely clearly the most dynamic back they have. If you look at just what his skill set is and what he brings to the table, he's the most elusive. He's the best pass catcher out of the group, and he definitely adds a different dynamic to the App State offense, and that might not hurt them in this game if he doesn't play, but going forward in some of those tough games against the Marshalls, the Coastals of that side of the conference, I think it is something to definitely worry about, especially when you have an offensive coordinator like Barbe with just the more weapons he gets, the better he is, and I think Nanawell definitely just raises the ceiling to another level as far as what this offense can be, and you would love to have him out there as much as you can. I think the good thing is for App State right now, Caden, is they have dealt with some injury issues, and I feel like that has maybe derailed them a little bit early on in the season. They were as hot as any team in the country, and suddenly it does not feel that way. But, you know, this is a really, really, really light schedule in October. They've got Georgia State coming up, but you get te- you get the Citadel, you get Texas State, then you end the year with Robert Morris. Uh, this month of October gives App State the ability to get healthy before they play the meat of their conference schedule. Yeah, I definitely agree with them. We talked about how that those last couple of weeks of the schedule, we look at them going to Coastal and going to Marshall being their true test. And then that Robert Morris, we giving them some time to rest. But I kind of worry about it based on how the JMU game ended. I feel like for this game, the Citadel is good for your confidence. It's good to bring up and have some of your other players play in that game. And it's good to see yourself play as best as you can as a team for sure. But I think in this Texas State game, I would expect to see App State really put their foot on the gas and really have a strong non or a strong conference performance to really prove and get that JMU taste out of their mouth because I think they still have some of that there. I don't think they're looking at their Citadel win and celebrating it too, too much. You might see on social media, they're putting it out there a bunch, but they're not, they expected to win that game. They expected to do what they do in that one. And I think that JMU one might be a little bit more in their mind. And I feel like if you're looking around as a conference, everyone's looking at that JMU game. Texas State is watching the second half of that JMU game to do what they want to do in this game and have kind of build their game plan off of that because they showed a little bit of a weakness that App State normally doesn't. So I would look for them to this one to really try to get that conference bad taste out of their mouth and pretty play hard in this one I did think it was interesting as I dug into the stats a little bit Texas State's a top four defense in the conference right now they're giving up 338 yards a game which is in the top four so this isn't a bad defense it's just been a really bad offense that can't score points and you know that could present a little bit of a challenge here I think something else that maybe is probably the most exciting thing for me about this game have you seen the new black uniforms that Texas State is wearing like uh I'm in love I have not seen them. So you have so you have homework to do. Like we have people have to see the Troy helmets. We have to see I have to see the Texas State uniforms. I'm definitely excited to see that. But no, I was up on this secondary specifically in the Texas State defense before. They're still ranking second in the conference as far as least amount of pass yards allowed. They're holding teams under 200 still. That's a strength of their game. And I think if they want to be good in this one, they're going to have to play and match up well against App State's receivers, which is like Christian Horn, Deshaun Davis, who's just establishing himself as one of the slipperiest slot receivers right now. And they had Christian Wells, who was actually out last game. If they get him back, that's going to be another guy to worry about. So I'm not saying they're going to be able to look at JMU's game plan and combine that with their secondary that's playing well and be able to play just as well as JMU did in the second half. But I think they have some pieces that if they play very well, they can lean on in this game against App State. It will be interesting for sure, Caden. I thought you would enjoy this stat because it relates a little bit to your career. App State, they win 49 nothing on Saturday against the Citadel. It was actually their first shutout since 2017 in their bowl game, a game that you played in. I was curious if you were playing defense at that time or were you still uh, the young buck on special teams? What bowl game was that? 
It would have been the bowl game in 2017, so that would have been your sophomore year, I believe, or your redshirt freshman year. <laughs> Long time ago. I'm showing my age. I'm showing my age. I definitely played in that one. Oh, <laughs> I believe that was, ah, don't quote me on this, I think that was the Dollar General Bowl. And f- I, yes, it was. I'm pretty sure it was the Dollar General Bowl. And funny enough, that was when I was still a special teamer. That was when I was running down on kickoff, running down on punt. But oddly enough, in that game, they give an award an offensive, defensive, and special teams player of the game award. And I forced a fumble on a kickoff and they gave me the special teams player of the game award in that bowl game. So that's funny that that worked out like that, but that was a fun game. That was a shutout. I do remember that one now. That Toledo offense was supposed to be very good, but we had an excellent game plan to stop them. So I think this team bringing it back and not talking about my career so much, I think this App State defense does have the potential to do that in this game. I think, like I mentioned before, they're going to be looking to play their best brand of football and get that JMU conference taste out of their mouth. So I think the coaches are going to be challenging this defense specifically, who's been kind of up and down all year, to play as disciplined and mistake-free as they can to tackle well, to communicate well. And on the the offensive side, it's simple. Just let Kevin Barbe cook, use all your weapons, and do what you've been doing with Chase Bryce leading this offense. I think I'm going to have to fact-check your story there because that seemed like a very made-up story to make you look good. But I'm sure, you know, it probably is true. Uh, So we'll definitely have to fact check that and get back to our listeners. But let's move on to our last game here. And this is the true Sunbelt after dark game. It starts at 8 p.m. It's down in Monroe. Uh, ULM is taking on Coastal Carolina. Caden, this sounds incredible to already be saying, but the shots with a win in this are now already bowl eligible. If they can pick up the win in in Monroe, they would start the season 6-0, something they've done in the last two, you know, two seasons. Uh, don't look now, but this is a Coastal Carolina team that suddenly has the second longest winning streak in the nation at eight games. When you look at the final three games last year and the five so far this year, they're trailing only Clemson with 11. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing for me, and we're not going to go too much in depth on this game because I think Coastal should win this. Um, but I wanted to just ask you, is Grayson McCall playing with everyone right now? Because he is, you know, getting better. He has simply been incredible this year. He throws for 335 yards last week, three passing touchdowns, rush for another against Georgia Southern. He's up to a little over 1,300 yards this year, 14 passing touchdowns, one interception. He's rushed for three more touchdowns. He adds on his seventh career offensive player of the week. Like, to me, he's just having fun out there, and he's on a whole different level than, than the rest of the Sun Belt right now. No, this is the guy I've been nicknaming the, the maestro because of how he runs that offense and the answer because of how he just had answers to all of the questions and the points that were scored last week with Georgia Southern. But no, if you're Coastal's team right now, you have to be feeling great. And I feel like the reason why they're high on our power rankings, the reason I think they're regarded as the best team in the conference is just because of how they're winning. I mean, they have the best combination of dominant performances and hard-fought wins. And I, you like to see that out of a team versus a JMU who's obviously kind of had more of a walk in the park. They had that tough game with App State. But you have to love their momentum right now. I mean, obviously, you talked about Grayson. Their best player is playing their best ball. They're back at home. They're playing at night, and they're playing an opponent that really shouldn't scare them. I mean, that's not, I don't think that's a disrespectful thing to say. I think if I was on Coastal team, if you were <laughs> putting on the pads for Coastal right now, you'd be feeling pretty good about this one coming off of last week and how your best players are playing. So I think there's a lot of good energy right now in Myrtle Beach. I think it, you're getting shades of that 2019 year right now kind of creeping in. So I'm excited to watch this Coastal team and have a chance to really have their first dominant, dominant performance of the year. Yeah, I think you have to be careful about saying not to be scared of ULM because I think there's some Louisiana fans that listen to this podcast and I think they're still having nightmares about how that game went. So you never know what will happen down in the bayou. Um, the one thing, though, Coastal Carolinas they call it the Black Swarm. Their defense has put so much pressure on opposing quarterbacks, 13 sacks, eight interceptions, 34 TFLs. Like They have not made life comfortable on opposing teams' offenses, particularly quarterbacks. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about this defense, though, is I think they really haven't really, really reached their peak. I mean, they haven't held an opponent to under 20 or 21 points this year. And I think their coaches, just like the App State game, I think they're going to challenge them to have a really, really dominant performance, have maybe a shutout, have a three-score, one-score, a three-point-one-score type game for them. It isn't necessarily a big play offense they're playing. They're playing the offense that's the worst in the league right now as far as yards per game with 312 and the least with points per game for 20. So I would challenge the Coastal team. They're big players. They're Isaiah Stewart, who've had on the podcast, they're Jordan Strong, the Lance Boykin the Trey Pinckney, those guys who are their best players and they're good players, if they play their clean brand of ball, don't give up those explosive plays, it doesn't have to be a close game. Coastal's played in some games where you look at the first half, it's a little bit closer than you like it to be. I think I'd look for Coastal's defense right now to have a stifling performance in this game and not make it to where Grayson has to score, Grayson has to do these things. They can just play their brand of ball, do what they have to do, and get off the field as much as they can. 
Hey, we all know things get a little weird down in Louisiana after dark, and particularly even for ULM at home. They're 2-0 and at home this season. They're 6-2 and under Terry Bowden. Caden, does ULM stand a chance in this? Like, could we see an upset in an after dark game in the Sun Belt? Well, I think it's interesting. You watch them put up barely, barely, barely 21 points in the ULL win, and they pulled that one off, and then they put up 24 points against Arkansas State that kind of just got spotted to them. I think they're playing a much better defense in this game, and I think their offense just can't even stand toe-to-toe to this one. So for me, I think every Sun Belt team every week has a chance, but I think this is one of those games where even if they play their best ball, if ULM plays the best they can in this game, and Coastal just kind of plays like they do and plays themselves, maybe even a little bit worse than themselves, I think Coastal can still win this one. So I'm not, I'm not ready to call it all of that, but I think ULM can play in this game and make it interesting for a little bit. I just don't think they have the firepower compared to Coastal right now to make it happen. Coastal won the last meeting between these two teams, 59-6, to six, scoring the most points in their young FBS history. Coastal comes into this game also 8-1 and one in their last nine road games. Caden, care to guess who had the lone road win over Coastal? It came, in, it came last season. Come on, this oh. is a, this is a softball. <laughs> the guys, man, come on. You know who did it to him? I don't even have to say it. App State winning. Can't toot my, can't toot, can't toot my horn too much on this podcast. We already talked about my special teams player. The player yeah, this this, player is, the this game has award. been a good episode for you. So let's <laughs> yeah. move on. You know, obviously these five games are going to be good. We'll move into our pick segments. I think we're going to go through these a little bit quicker uh, than than we generally do, but. Um, let's start with our game of the week in Georgia State versus Georgia Southern. Georgia State comes in two and a half point favorite in this one. Over under feels high to me at 68. Uh, Caden, what are your thoughts in this matchup? Yeah, give me Georgia Southern in this one. I think they win and I think they cover. I think they're just too hot of a team right now. You look at the struggles that Georgia State had early on in this season, and I think they're about to play an explosive offense. It's obviously good to see them playing great against Army, and Army was a very one-dimensional team, though. I think Georgia Southern's a lot more dynamic in the pass game and in the run game. It's just going to be too much of a challenge for them, but I am taking the under on the points as well for this one. I don't think it's going to be a game where we see a shootout because I just don't think Georgia State has the manpower to keep up with Georgia Southern in this one, so I think it's going to be a game where, even if it's lopsided, even if it's close, it's going to stay under 68 points. Yeah, this is what we're going to both agree on. I think the reason Georgia State is obviously the betting line favorite is because this game is at home. But if you look at these two teams over the course of the year, to me, it would be crazy to pick against Georgia Southern in this contest. Uh, they've got the better quarterback. I think uh, running back is clearly an area that Georgia State has the advantage in this game. Um, I, you know, both of these defenses, you kind of toss them into a hat and pull out a, you know, pull out a piece of paper and you don't know which one's going to show up. So give me Georgia Southern in this one. I'm also going to take the under because 68 feels really high for this game. Uh, so give me the under in this contest. Uh, let's move on. Troy Southern Mish. Troy comes in a six and a half point favorite over under sits at 44, which in stark contrast to the last game feels maybe perhaps a little bit low to me. Um, and so I look at this game, I am still going to stick with Troy. Uh, Troy has been one of the best stories in the Sun Belt over the last couple of weeks, but I also think Southern Miss could play this game well. I do think Troy's going to cover the six and a half, but uh, Southern Miss, I think, could very easily make this game interesting, similar to what they did against Tulane uh, and hang around in that game late. But I don't think either team are going to score an ungodly amount of points in this contest. So I am going to go ahead and take the under in this contest. I agree with a lot of what you said. I'm obviously taking Troy in this one, too. I think Southern Miss, no offense to your fans, guys. I'm sorry. You just haven't shown it as much as Troy has, so I just can't go against that. And I do think Troy's going to cover. I think they do win by a touchdown, and especially if Daggy's playing in this one, I think he's going to come out there with a lot to prove. And I think either quarterback who plays in this one is going to really be out there trying to prove that they're the guy in this game, especially, and put some points up on the board. I'm going to take the over on the points in this one, though. I think if Troy does win and is able to put up points, that's going to be big for that. And I also think if it stays close, I could see both of these teams putting up 22, 23, 24 points or more than that because they've both kind of proven they can do that this year. So give me Troy, give me them to cover, but give me the over on the points. Let's look at Arkansas State. James Madison, JMU comes in an 11.5 point favorite over under at 54.5. Caden, I'm just going to go ahead and go first and get this one out of the way. Um, you know, JMU, 11.5 seems a little high right now to me, and I might end up with egg on my face after this, but I'm actually going to take Arkansas State to cover in this game. I think that Arkansas State might play extremely well. Uh, they did play a Memphis team very well earlier on in the year. I, I'm not as you know, sold on them winning this game. So I'm still going to take JMU to win, but I do think this game could be closer. And if what I'm explaining plays out in this game, I'm going to have to take the over in this game uh, because I think it would have to be a high scoring affair. 
Um, you know, this is JMU's second week in a row being a 22 or a double digit favorite. They were a 22 point favorite last week against Texas State. They do come in averaging 44, you know, nearly 45 points a game. So I might have egg on my face in this one, but I like Arkansas State to, you know, maybe stay in this game, but give me JMU to win and I'm going to continue to take the over. Yeah, I don't think it's the craziest take. I think you defended it the best you could as far as if you wanted to take them covering, but give me James Madison in this one. Give me to cover. I think JMU has too many better players. I think it's just that simple. I think their defense is going to put on another show like they did last week. I think if you look at the defenses that Arkansas State has played this year, they look, JMU looks more like Ohio State than a lot of these other teams that they've played. So I just expect another great performance out of them. I think it's going to look very much like the Texas State game from last weekend. Todd's given everybody problems, and I think he's going to give Arkansas State problems in this one. So give me James Madison. Give me them to cover. I think they're going to win big in this one. I think it's going to be close in this one, but I'm going to give them barely taking the over. I think it's going to be very, very similar to the Texas State game. I'm just going to go ahead and say I think I had a better defense of you know, this perhaps pick than I did of my power ranking, putting James Madison below App State. So, um, you know, I'm learning. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Texas State, App State, App's a 19-point favorite, 55 over and under. Caden, I don't even have to think about this one. Uh, give me App State to win in this game. I think it's going to be a blowout, much like we saw James Madison do to Texas State last week. Um, <laughs> man, App State might cover the over-under on their own at 55 in this game. So give me the over. Yeah, give me App State to win this one and give me them to cover, but I'm actually going to take the under on the points. I think the most Texas State can score in this one is 14, and I think the least App State can score is 32, and I think it's going to be one of those games where they get up early at the end of the game in the fourth quarter. Maybe you see some backups in. There's some weird pace, and it changes, and the game might slow down a ton. If you look at this matchup historically, it's always been like a 30s to teens game, so I think this one barely gets under. I think it's going to be one where it's not one of those blowouts where it's a ton to a little. It's one where they get ahead early, the pace changes and is a little weird. And then it kind of just has a stalemate in the fourth quarter, not a ton of points. So give me App State to win. Give me them to cover, but the under on the points, less than 55. So perhaps maybe a little bit of a bad beat there, potentially based on who plays at what point of the games. Um, you know, last game of the weekend, ULM versus Coastal Carolina. It kicks off at eight. Coastal's a 13 and a half point favorite, a little less than two touchdowns, which is what it started at at the beginning of the week. Over under sits at 58. Uh, Caden, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, give me Coastal to win this one and give me them to cover. I think they're going to just do what they've been doing all year and make make a statement. But I think maybe my hotter take on this one is taking the under on the points. I think Coastal is going to get their 30 or 40 points, but I don't think ULM is going to have enough offense. I think this is going to look very much like the Georgia State game we went to. I think Coastal's offense is going to be cooking, but I don't think we're going to see as much production out of the ULM team that we saw from Georgia State giving up those explosive plays. I think, like I mentioned before, Coastal's defense might have more of an attitude in this one, more of a, you know what, let's try to get a shot out here. Let's try to keep them to a touchdown or less. So I think Coastal's going to do their end on those points, but I think ULM might have one of their most and most stagnant games that we've seen this year. Okay, and you just took the words right out of my mouth. I don't think that's a hot take because I think Coastal is going to cover. I think they are going to win, and I am also taking the under because I have it right here in my notes. I said, I'm not sure how many points ULM would put up, and for Coastal, it feels like 58 is a lot to pick up on their own. Um, so yeah, I think this game is going to hit the under, I think Coastal's going to cover and win, uh, and it, you know, that'll wrap up just a great slate of games. So I think a lot of good picks there and I'm excited to kind of see how those picks end up. Me too. We might be wrong like always, but I think we had some good opinions and some good games to watch this week. So obviously, as always, thank you guys so much for giving us a listen, whether you're listening on Apple, whether you're listening on Spotify, make sure you give us a like or rate a review. Give us five stars if you think we're good. Give us zero stars if you think we're bad. Keep it honest with us. We really appreciate y'all showing us love on Twitter as well. Our new account just got to 100 followers, which is huge. So we really appreciate the support from you all. And like always, check out our previous episodes. If you missed our conversations with Kyle Van Treese, with Tucker Gregg, make sure you listen to those and those great conversations we had with those guys. But as always, always thank you so much guys for listening and we'll see you next time